Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Maura Z, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, June 14th, and we are reading from the big book. We are in Chapter 6, Into Action, and we are on page 72. We'll be reading the second paragraph only that starts, this is perhaps difficult, and we'll be commenting on just that one paragraph, but it's a good one. Today's readers are Janice M., 12 Steps, Tenzin P., 12 Traditions, and the readers of the text are Annie V., Craig F., Jen A. Kathy M. is our newcomer reader later on, and Deb W. will be hosting the second hour. The reference numbers for yesterday's meetings. Yesterday's 7 a.m. share ID 11,527, 11527, and the 10 a.m. share ID 11,529, 11529. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And Janice M., would you please read the 12 steps of OA? Yes, certainly, and thank you, um, and hello to everyone. These are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. We, one, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us 
and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you, Janet Sam. And Tenzin P., would you please read the 12 traditions of OA? Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. Tenzin P., checking in from near New York City. Um, the 12 traditions, actually, this is the short form of the 12 traditions. Um, there is also a long form, I have discovered. So the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group has Sorry, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Tenzin P. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, 
press star one to unmute. And I'm sorry, I lost my place. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the person speaking, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We are in Chapter 6, Into Action, and we're on page 72. We will be reading the second paragraph that starts, This is Perhaps Difficult, and commenting on that one paragraph. And I will ask Annie V to begin reading. Good morning, Annie. Good morning. May I be heard? Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for your service. Um, this is Annie V from New York, um, Grateful Compulsive Overeater Recovered just for today. Um, the reading is, this is perhaps difficult, <clears throat> especially discussing our defects with another person. We think we have done well enough in admitting these things to ourselves. There is doubt in that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Many of us thought it necessary to go much further. We will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. The best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. Time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they have turned to easier methods. Almost invariably, they got drunk. Having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is that they never completed their house cleaning. They took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves. But they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. Oh, wow, what a paragraph. Um, yeah, you know, Step five, again, it, this is a life and death thing. I am the full-blown compulsive overeater addict. And had I, you know, I went through years and years of relapse because I never did this step. Um, it was as if I went to the bathroom and did it flush and I was stoking in it. I'm sorry for the graphic image, but that's how I was mentally and thus psychically. And if I take a look at where I am in the steps, you know, uh, the physical craving, you know, that phenomenon of craving should be down because I should be entirely abstinent at this point. And um, if I don't share it with someone else, I, I'm just going to sit in it. Um, you know, my higher power speaks through me through my fellows. And even though my relationship with my higher power is not dependent on humans, because, you know, I determined that in steps one, two, and three, um, I still need to not do this alone. This is a disease of isolation. And I'm taking my will back when I, when I do it alone. I think I could do it alone. I only thought I humbled myself. And, you know, if I take a look at that word humility, it's about being right-sized. And I can take comfort that I had a lot of practice with this already in step one, getting entirely abstinent, understanding what behaviors and what food ingredients and specific foods trigger that phenomenon of craving. When I turn that over every day to my sponsor, that's almost like the principle of step five. I take inventory of my food, becoming entirely and rigorously honest. But that wasn't enough. I am dealing with the obsession of the mind, which, you know, 
fuels this whole disease, the state of the disease to, you know, lead me to take that mental twist. So eating poison uh, is going to be okay just for today. Uh, one is too many, a thousand is never enough. And in order to really address that mental obsession, I need to be speaking about this, my entire self, my harm, my resentments, my anger, my fears with somebody else. And if I could give a word for this recovery, um, it would be paradoxical. These are things I did not want to do, and it went against all my quote-unquote instincts. But at the same time, my instincts were so awry that it led me to these rooms. It led me to obesity, type 2 diabetes. It led me to um, being grossly underweight and, you know, um, having, you know, my life threatened. And, but when I followed these simple steps, not always easy, um, it led me to a life beyond my wildest dreams. But again, being right-sized, my sponsor was not judgmental of me. You know, I wasn't the worst person on the earth. But if I didn't do this, I would go back to something that would lead me to a slow, painful death. And, you know, my father died from this disease, life and death, you know, vital step. That was my first, um, you know, the first important reason is because I needed to get over or finding the solution to this compulsive overeating disease that was threatening my life. And, um, <clears throat> you know, it wasn't bad and I wasn't too egotistical, that right-sizedness, you know, being enough, you know, and having my actions and integrity. Thank you so much. And um, this is such a powerful paragraph, and I, I really thank everybody for their services and honor. I will pass. Thank you so much. Andy Vinny, thank you so much for your service. Okay, so if you would like to share, please give me your first name, last initial, and I will repeat it back to you, letting you know I've heard you. Please press star one to share. Kim G from South Jersey. Kim G. Amy G from Maryland. Amy G. Larry K. From, from the Larry UK. Larry K. I heard something from the UK. Magdalena, thank you. Magdalena. Janice PM. Janice. Laura L from Arkansas. Laura L. Okay, that's a good group. We've got Kim G, Amy G, Larry K, Magdalena, you'll give us your last initial when you share, Janice PM, and Laura L. Kim G, go ahead, please. Good morning, Mara. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I just love the line. There's um, In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. You know, and I heard this great analogy once given on the line about the idea that, you know, when we decide to sell our house, we don't decide how much that house is going to be sold for. You know, I personally have a 1920s home that has original hardwoods. Well, I'll tell you, the hardwood's in really bad shape because I have two dogs. You know, maybe you have a bunch of scratches on the wall, but you see it as the scratches telling you how tall your children have gotten over the years. So you can't decide how much it's worth because to an outside person, I just have crappy floors and you might just have crappy walls. So what you need is a third-party appraiser that's going to come in and tell you with the number of bedrooms, the number of bathrooms, your square footage, your school district, and in New Jersey specifically, how much your property taxes are, 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 how much your house is worth. You know, because to me, I'm selling a home. To the third-party appraiser, they're selling a house. And the reality is I can't be objective about my life. That's why I need a recovered person to come in to help me see those patterns, to see those defects that have dominated me for decades. You know, and just a spoiler alert, 
This is exactly why we need a recovered person in our 10th step. Because once again, doing 10 and 11 is simply doing four through nine. And I get overly emotional, overly attached to what's going on in my life. And the gift of having someone that's recovered come in and help me get some objectivity is absolutely wonderful. And I also want to stress, this is the importance of why it's so important to take fifth step. As you're sponsoring and you're taking someone's fifth step, you get the clarity about your own life because you're objective about someone else's. That's the importance of not only me giving 10 steps to other people, but taking them. I can be struggling with something, and when I take someone else's 10th step, all of a sudden the clarity that I couldn't get in my own head is given to me by helping another person. That line is just so incredibly essential to me, and actually it was the key to freedom in many areas of my life. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Amy G., it is your turn, followed by Larry K. Thank you, Marzi. Thank you for your service. Uh, my name is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Um, I love this line. For the best reason, first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. So I think it says it pretty plainly here. You know, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where I had to get humble, fearless, and honest with another person and you know we're talking about step five here and i don't know about you all but by the time i got to step five by the time i had done that inventory i could not wait to get this stuff up and out because by now i had grasped through working the first four steps the sense of needing a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery that they talk about in this big book that I needed my higher power, and I was developing that relationship through step three. I was hit rubber hitting the road by doing the writing in step four. And by five, I wanted to be free of that mental obsession, and I started to understand that the only way to do that was to be connected to a higher power. And if I didn't do this inventory work, that connection to that higher power would be broken. It would not stay clear. And these this inventory was essential. And it wasn't essential just for me to write it down on paper. It was essential for me to open up my heart and soul to my sponsor. I mean, it depends on who you choose. Most of us choose a sponsor to humbly and fearlessly let it all out, so to speak. And it was an incredible thing. I mean, we're going to read about it afterwards in a few paragraphs or a few pages that we can then look the world in the eye. It was a very scary thing to do, but I knew that if I didn't do this step, I would never change. And if I didn't change, I would pick up the food again. The food would come calling. The mental obsession would hit me. It would blindside me. And I know this process if it's not done correctly, because I spent my first almost five years in OA trying to wiggle my way around, not having to do this fearlessly, thoroughly, and with humility with a sponsor. And I can tell you that when it's done correctly, the freedom that it allowed me by just opening my mouth and sharing with my sponsor going through this inventory what it did for me. I mean, we can backtrack to how it works. It says at some of these we balked, meaning these steps. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, but the result was nil until we let go absolutely. Those old ideas about I'm never going to let anyone know my secrets, you know, to let them know them, you know, is to know me. And what I found out 
is that I joined the human race by actually doing this step. It allowed me to continue on with this recovery process, and I started to be free, and I started to be free. I can't even begin to tell you what that meant. Cancel reminder. And with that, I'll pass. And there you go. Perfect timing, Amy. Thank you. Larry. Larry Kay. Calling Larry Kay. (laughs) Can you hear me, Maura? I can. Thank you. Okay. I love the gentle reminder. Okay. Um, Let's see here. Well, I want to share. Well, since many of us thought it, it necessary to go much further, I want to I want to share with you. I, I I have a colleague. He's works in a different discipline. He's he's literally a rocket scientist, and and he's um boy that's far from my world. And he would ask you know we would have lunch and he would ask what's going on in my world and work and and I would ask him what's going on in his and I, I remember sharing with him that much of how the mind operates we know is in fact hidden to us. And that the very stuff that's hidden to us shapes our experience and behaviors in ways that we're not the least bit aware of. And that was, that was unfathomable, unfathomable to, to a guy like him. Um, and, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist. In fact, maybe it's better that we're not, you know. Um, but, you know, he, he would say to me, you know, he would say, how can that be? I mean, I can't remember, he would say, one single time, not one single time when I was influenced unconsciously. You know, and that's exactly it. And that's the whole point, isn't it? We can't remember those conscious influences because we don't have access to them in the moment or perhaps ever. And what, and what in God's name does that have to do with the, the phenomenon of step five? Well, just like my, my friend who, who couldn't shake his strong belief based on his lifelong personal experience, you know, that everything he engaged in and all the results of those actions were merely a product of his conscious awareness, we too can be shaded by those limited beliefs. See, for me, what, what's the point of sharing with God, myself, and another, one other human being, the exact nature of my wrongs? What, what, what's so magical about that? Well, maybe there's something within that phenomenon, within that process, that's beyond my conscious awareness. Am I so prideful that I can't see that that may be so? Am I so prideful that I, I only see this process if it only appears in my conscious mind, my rational mind, so I think, that those are the only things that I would engage in? And so... Why do I always have to be the conscious captain at the helm of the ship? You know, in other words, what, what in my conception of how and why these steps work, how and why these steps completed in sequence result in an outcome that, frankly, I've never experienced, what if that conception is mysterious, spiritually mysterious and almost unknowable to a human being like me, and yet the results are unmistakable, aren't they? Can I trust the process anyway? Can I be okay even when there's a disconnect between, between what I consciously am aware of and what else may be operating above my pay grade? That, that, that God job, it's taken. It's above my pay grade. So I'm going to keep trying to trudge forward. Thanks, Maura. Thanks, Larry Kay. 
Magdalena from the United Kingdom. Would you give us your last initial, please? Star one. Oh, hello, yes. Magdalena W. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead, please. Thank you. I'm a recovering um, compulsive overeater. Um, Gosh. Yeah, I haven't been in uh, a vision for long. Um, So usually I listen, but I have done a a five before, a few years ago, which is very... Yeah, I I got some of the things that we read about in the book. But I'm looking today at the bit about they only thought they'd lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they'd humbled themselves, that they'd not learned enough of humility, fearlessness and honesty. And I think I'm, I've, you know, I'm aware that I've got a few resentments bubbling and I'm aware that I've been doing a solitary self-appraisal. And I see here it says it's insufficient. Um yeah, I think I just wanted to really say that. I'm looking forward to getting on and, you know, clearing up. what. <laughs> Maybe there are things that are required. It is a day at a time program, and I guess I've acquired things. I've persevered, and then perhaps I'm wondering why I've fallen a bit today. But I, I do know what the solution is. It's the spiritual solution, and I can talk to my sponsor Um about these things and I'll look forward to doing my step four and five again in a vision thank you for letting me share With that well, thank you Magdalena thank you Magdalena Janice M it is your turn followed by Laura L well thank you thank you thank you Mara and um, oh I love that accent of course I don't have one I know that anyway um a solitary self-appraisal is insufficient. Well, why is it? Why, why can't I just go through this fourth step and, and know what I did wrong and God revealed it to me so he knows and I know? Well, because I'm a sick person. Yes, uh, you know, I'm sick physically, so I know the solution there. But a sick mind, the way I'm thinking, this is what it's all about. The way I just thought, you know, that I can do it. I don't need another person. See, I'm fooling myself. I'm a master. I'm a master at believing in rationalization and justification. And, you know, I experienced this. I held something um, uh, from my sponsor for a long time, went through the steps, blah, blah, blah. And guess what? I didn't get recovery. Because why did I hold it back? Because, ooh, I was so ashamed. I was so guilty, you know, shame and guilt. And I didn't want her. She had a certain image of me, and I didn't want to break that image. I mean, after all, that was so important, right? Well, it was so important that I I still picked up. So exposing my private self, you know, who I really am, uh, you know, is the best I know it's confession, but it's really, you know, saying it to somebody, um, in my case, a recovered sponsor, who, who knows this program and knows why I have to do it. And I have to do it because of, you know, it's a matter of life and death. And, you know, I do want to talk about the misinterpretation um, of it saying, 
the book saying your whole life story. Yeah, I thought, okay, I got to start from the beginning, tell them where I was born, when I was born, my birthday, my childhood. No, the whole life story means don't leave anything out, not a, not a biography like I did. I left the worst thing out. That wasn't my whole life story. But as soon as I did it again, and I did my whole life story, which meant every nook and cranny was exposed. Boy, then I got that feeling that I was close to the sunlight of the spirit. That's what happened to me. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. Laura L., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Laura L. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater and food addict from Arkansas. Um, I've been listening in for probably a few months now, and this is my first time to talk to you guys. Um, I really like this reading, um, Discussing Defects with Another Person. Um, I'm newly recovered. I've got a little over eight months of abstinence, and um, I think what kept me in the food for so long and sick for so long was the fact that um, we're only sick, as sick as our secrets. And I had all these secrets that I had kept because I looked around me at all the other people I encountered in my life, whether it was coworkers or family members or friends, and I thought everyone else knew how to do life the right way and that I was the only one who, who didn't know how to do life. And um, I believed that for so many years, many, many years. And um, it wasn't until um, I shared with another individual um, every secret that I had that I really, and they weren't surprised and they weren't shocked and that their stories were so similar to mine. Um, that's when I finally realized that I was a human being just like everyone else um, and that they were human like I was and that I didn't have to feel that way anymore and I didn't have to, um, I didn't have to hide the things that, that I had felt for so long had to be kept a secret. So I think that that's when I finally, that's finally when I was able to achieve abstinence and achieve a closer relationship to the God of my understanding. So um, thank you guys all for your service and thank you for letting me share this morning. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Laura L. Okay, for those who joined us a little after seven, we are in chapter six into action. We're on page 72 and we're reading the second paragraph that starts, this is perhaps difficult. And we are commenting on that one paragraph. So if you'd like to share, please give me your name and your first initial. And um, yeah, press star one. And did I hear Pete B? Sasha O? Marcia R? Najee S? Marcia Leah M? Okay, guys, hang on a second. Okay, here's who I got. Pete B, did I hear you first? I think I did. Then I had Vasa O, Marsha M, or Martha M, and Leah M. Nessa R. Nessa R. Melissa C. And we'll stop with Melissa C. Sandy okay. S. Okay. Sandy, we'll try to get you on the next round, dear. 
I have Pete B, Vasa O, Marsha M, or Martha M, I'm not sure, Leia M, Nessa R, and Melissa C. Pete B, did I hear you? Uh, you did not, moderator, but thank you for the consideration. Oh, all right. Well, then it was a male voice, I thought. Leon B. I'm sorry, say again. Leon B. Leon B. It is your turn. Thank you. Sorry about that. It's okay. Thank you for allowing me to share. Um, wonderful topic today. Um, you know, I heard this morning, I was listening to a special edition, and I probably had heard this before, but it made a lot of sense. And then reading this today really kind of tied it together. And um, one of the speakers, the speaker said that the food will, excuse me, the steps will do for you what the food used to do as far as giving you that sense of ease and comfort. And and I didn't even know what was happening to me. It was such a spiritual experience just doing step four in and of itself, understanding how to do it. And once I started it, went through it relatively quickly within a couple of hours. And then I was uh, meeting someone the next night on my couch and, and for three hours just giving it, giving it away and, and going through it all. And I and I remember just feeling, man, that ease and comfort. It, I didn't even think about it until today, until I heard that speaker say that that the steps give you the ease and comfort that the food used to. And somewhere, somewhere along four, five, and six, and the the obsession was relieved, and I was no longer thinking about food. And and I believe somewhere in there, I had that spiritual experience. This program, living these steps, doing step four was huge for me because I, I did not know I had so much bottled up in me. And uh, if I had to give any suggestion to anyone out there that could be struggling, and step four, can, for me, it was very difficult because I did not understand it until A Vision for You did the Sunday special editions and the, the, the guy that broke down step four just made it so simple for me. And and I was able to learn it, understand it, go through it, and I did it, and it was liberating. And it shot me through 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. It was just a catapult that moved me through it. And and I'm very thankful, um, and I'm very thankful for that speaker today that said that, that the steps are giving me the ease and comfort that food used to, and I passed. Thank you, Leon. Vasa O, it is your turn, followed by Marsha M or Martha M. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Morazi, for your service. And I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater calling from uh, Foxborough, Massachusetts. And I've shared this many times. I did not know what I was getting into when I came to Overeaters Anonymous. But I knew there was something good was going to happen. And I did come just to lose the weight and I was going to leave, you know. And I thank God I had the gift of desperation to just listen and do the steps they, the way they laid out, put the food down first, Vasa, and then go to, you know, again, the rest of the steps. And uh, before I came to OA and work in the 12 steps, I, you know, I was going to bring my secrets to my grave because of my embarrassment. I, how could I, you know, God knows what I've done. You know, I do. It was kind of embarrassed to go and tell somebody else. But it says, see, if we skip this vital step, 
we may not overcome drinking. Time after time, new, uh, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their life. And I was ready and I was willing to do whatever it took just not to go back into the food. And that has been the biggest motivation. I didn't want to die. You know, I had seen a couple of my family members. My mom died from this disease. And I know what she went through. And I do believe she's in heaven and she prayed for me. And I was led into Overeaters Anonymous. And I've been saved. And, you know, again... This is this was liberating for me during the fourth step. I mean, the fourth and the fifth. I just needed to find somebody that I trusted. And I also heard other people, like how they did it, how they went about it, and how they were liberated. Yeah, I was freed from the food, but the character defects were standing there. And I needed to open my heart and tell someone exactly how I felt, what happened, what I did, and it I, it was unblocking. It unblocked me, and I had a closer relationship with my higher power, and we do this. I mean, I've doing this for years, going through the steps. There's no graduation. There's always more to, re, to be revealed to me every time I go through. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Oh, Marsha M. or Martha M.? It's Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Can I be <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Marsha. <laughs> okay, it's Marsha M. from Bloomington, Minnesota, and thank you for letting me share. Um, this is very much a coincidence because I have just finished my fourth step and I'm now sharing with my sponsor in step five. And this paragraph really speaks to me because it talks about humility and I needed to find a way, some type of context in order to do this process. So I thought back in my life and I picked out three situations, a piano recital, singing a solo, and also giving a speech, all of which have been big parts of my life. In all three of those things, I am performing, I will say, or opening myself or being humble to an audience. And that's a hard thing to do. So much like that, this is also hard to do, but my audience is of one. I'm speaking to my sponsor. I'm opening myself up to her and bearing my soul. And it actually was a very, very, it is a very, very liberating and um, kind of a relief situation. If you take a, think of something when you've just done a solo, you've just done a speech, you've just done a piano recital, you have a huge sigh of relief. And that is what I am experiencing while I am going through my step five with my sponsor. I'm very grateful for it because you're always grateful when something painful is over. And that's the way I am approaching this, and it has really helped me. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. And Nessa R., it's your turn, followed by Leah M. Hi, good morning, Vision for You. Um, 
My name is Nessa R. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. When I first came into the rooms, um, all I could hear was how terrifying step four was. You know, I, I wasn't even at step one. I didn't even know what the steps were. And everybody, like the, you know, the veterans in the, in the rooms were talking about how terrifying step four was. And, you know, what I learned as I went through the process was that step four wasn't terrifying. It was terrifying was step five because I couldn't just keep it to myself. I had to give it to another human being, as it says in the book, you know, solitary self-appraisal is insufficient. If I could just keep it to myself, I wouldn't have been terrified. But you know what? As I went through, um, and I guess the reason I was terrified was because of uh, self-pride, you know? How can I disclose all the terrible things that I've done? I was fearful of being judged. I knew that I was the scum of the world, but then as I gave it to somebody else, they would also know what a horrible person I was. And that's what made me terrified. And the experience that I had was totally different. You know, we're very fortunate today. We don't have to go hunting for people to whom to give our steps five to, like, like they did, you know, in the 1930s and the 1940s, where there wasn't a well-established, you know, I guess, system of sponsorship. You know, we give it away to people who have been there, done that, and who totally understand where we're coming from. And so when I gave away... Um, I stepped forward for the first time, you know, to hear my sponsor nodding in recognition, in uh, empathy, and saying, yeah, me too, um, that just lifted such a huge weight off of my shoulders because now I knew, then I knew that I wasn't unique, that I wasn't such a horrible person after all, that I had failings for sure, um, but I wasn't the only one, and people with the same feelings had recovered. Um, you know, now when I take step fives and step tens also, I make sure to convey to my sponsees or whoever I'm talking to, you know, that, you know, they're not a poor excuse for a human being. You know, that I've done the same things. You know, I try to relate as much as possible and I try to share also, you know, that me too that lifted that fear off of my shoulders and you know it's such a great gift so rather than being terrifying you know step five was liberating it was so liberating because it got rid of so many misconceptions that i had about myself and my worth as a person um and with that i pass thank you nessa Leah M., it is your turn, followed by Melissa C. Thank you so much. Appreciate your service today. Um, in actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Um, you know, it was such a meaningful interaction for me. Um, you know, I was... I was quite young, actually. I was 23 years old. Um, but my whole life at, up to that point had been kind of, you know, lived in the darkness. I, I Self-sufficiency was something that I had learned and, uh, you know, darkness and, and isolating, you know, was uh, second nature to me. I mean, I had been binging in dark movie theaters since I was seven years old by myself, um, and so that sitting across from somebody, um, 
you know, and sharing my fourth step with them, uh, you know, broke me from that loneliness and isolation, um, that anxious apartness, that tortured uh, feeling that I had because of my loneliness. I like the I like the uh, language also in the AA 12 and 12 when it says almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride, the confession of shortcomings, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of life as we had been living it. You know. <laughs> I met people who were free, who the chains of addiction had been broken, and I was willing uh, through suffering, because of enough suffering and enough pain and enough degradation that had broken me down, I was willing to expose myself however uh, uncomfortable it was at that moment, and it was uncomfortable, but it through that dying experience, so to speak, I was beginning to be born again. Uh, the language of the big book talks about that. And, you know, the sponsor that I shared, you know, was able to point out these patterns of behavior and these core belief systems that had developed in me as a very young, at a very young age and how these belief systems had twisted and distorted and colored my personality for the worse. And, of course, if your thinking is twisted and distorted, your actions were going to be twisted and distorted, and that was absolutely clear. <laughs> there was no doubt about that. So, uh, you know, it's just I can't uh, recommend it enough to plumb the depths of our disturbances and impediments to a relationship with God and, and to eventually, through the whole process, become free. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Melissa C., it is your turn. Hi. Good morning, Maura. Thank you so much for your service, Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater. And um, and I'm laughing because I was thinking about the um, AA 12 and 12 also, that, yeah, I don't like this. Um, And and, um, in this paragraph that we read, this is difficult, you know. And so, um, and if I don't do it, it's insufficient. So I've had enough experience to know that doing what I like and doing what's easy is not sufficient, you know. And how do I know that? Um, because I'm here, you know. Like, if it were sufficient, if doing what was easy and what felt good um, worked, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be calling in. I wouldn't have come to this point, you know, where I needed help. I had nothing left. Um, none of my my human resources were failing, and I had to do this. And you know, and so I I done inventories before, um, and I did them insufficiently, and so I didn't get recovered. You know, that's the truth. And so when I came to this point, um, I was desperate enough. I was dying, um, and I heard people who were not dying anymore, who had what I had. Um, and we're living different lives, and and I was willing to do what was difficult and what I didn't like, and um, you know, and so when I think about this, why why is this difficult? Why don't I like this? Um, and it's my ego, you 
You know, up until um, this point, all of my communications with people my entire life, you know, even even my closest relationship with my parents, my my husband, my best friends, um, I communicated to people only what I wanted them to know about me. Um, and I had an ulterior motive. I wanted the people in my life to like me, you know, and that was because um, I wanted my way. And that's how I communicated. And so this process is not about convincing someone to like me. It's about getting honest. And, and it wasn't about um, getting popular. It wasn't about getting my needs met. It was about getting recovered, you know. And um, so we do things we don't like. I do, guess what? I do things on a daily basis that I don't like. I do things on a daily basis that are difficult, that are not easy. Um, but I want to live free from the food, and that's the price we take for freedom. And the truth is I'm living free from the food today. I don't have to eat compulsively. Thank you. With that, I'll cap. Thank you, Melissa C. Um, I think we have time for two, maybe three shares. Nancy T. Share? Nancy, Nancy T. Nancy T. Leia D. Sandy Leia D. D. from Connecticut. I heard Leia D. And then there was somebody else. Sandy, maybe. Yes. Sandy S. Sandy or Sandy S. Okay, Nancy P, Leia D, Sandy S, and I hope we can get through all three of you. If perhaps you do two minutes apiece, we can hear from everyone. Nancy P, it's your turn, please. Thank you. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Yeah, I, um, I'm so glad that I listened to everybody because I was sort of writing down. To, I had time this morning to take some notes. And, <clears throat> excuse me, for me... Um, I flung myself off the cliff into the void with this because earlier in the book it said, God is everything or he is nothing. What was our choice to be? Like I, I had thought in, in my 47 years in program prior to coming to vision, I had thought, yes, I have the gift of desperation. That was the minor leagues. And what finally brought me here was a catastrophe for my family that was so great that I literally thought I was going to die, and I was really willing to do everything. So having gotten the real definition of, it, of desperation, I um, knew that I, I had to do these steps, and I was willing as never before. And, um, you know, what it says, the best reason first, if we don't do it, we're not going to stop eating. So I decided I was going to do whatever they said, and because I was so unfamiliar with truth, and honesty and humility, I, I was absolutely willing to believe that I had, didn't even have a nodding acquaintance with any of the above. So I th thought, similar to, you know, any young or un inexperienced person, they have to be taught how to do things. Well, that's what my, where my sponsor came in. And, you know, when I teach my kids to, you know, clean up after dinner and, you know, or clean the bathroom or clean their rooms, you know, they, they, they give it a, you know, what I would call, what I personally would call a cursory sweep. And I say, you know, I have to check afterwards and say, okay, do you think this is clean? They always do. And it never is. And so I'm sure everybody's familiar with something like that, some iteration of that. And so that's why I desperately needed somebody to make sure, you know, to get in there with a toothbrush and get to the corners and, and, and sweep out, you know, 
get all the dust out from under the furniture. I had to do it all. And I was absolutely willing to believe that I didn't know anything about how to do that. Um, so I, I literally flung myself off the cliff into the void and um, I've never been happier about that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nancy T. Leia D, it's your turn. Leia D, star one. It's Linda D. Oh, my apologies. Linda D, please go ahead. Leia D here. Leia D here. I thought it was Leia D. My apologies, Linda. It is Leia. I'm sorry, Linda. I'll keep her in mind. <laughs> um, I thought um, this part was meant only for alcoholics. I read this book for 42 years and said, nah, that's not me. I don't have to do that. Nah. They mean alcoholics do. We all have to weigh and measure, and that's it. Well, that's a lie. Because of the fact is, I picked up and I picked up, and lo and behold, when I did what they told me to do exactly in the book, I've been recovered. And recovery is a miracle. It's an absolute spiritual miracle. It's exactly what they said. And I think the line should be, there is, there is doubt about that. In spirit, uh, okay. We thought that, uh, where it says here that if you don't do it, you may pick up again, you may drink again. It says, if you skip this vital step, you may not overcome drinking. I think it should say, if you skip this step, you will keep eating. I was so afraid to do the fifth step that I got into my car so nobody could hear me and called my sponsor and cried and said, I can't tell you the things I've done. I can't tell you the things I've done. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. I can't tell you. And she said, I've heard it all. And she reassured me, and I did it, and it worked. It's not scary. It's where you got to go, and the truth is that every day I live in these steps, five becomes clearer because now I want to know what's going on. I want to identify it because the minute my belly gets hungry, I know something's off kilter. Belly hunger is not reality, and thank you for letting me share. There are other people going. Thank you, Leah D. Uh, Sandy S., I believe. Hi. Yes. Can you hear me? I can, thank you. Sandy S. in Asheville, North Carolina. I have a totally different take on this step than most people. I actually love telling other people what's wrong with me. It's kind of perverse. And it, it's, it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, can I do a fifth step with the world and tell them what a worthless piece of crap I am? I don't know why. Oh, yeah, no, I do know why. Because... I want someone else to fix me. That was what came out of my fourth step. I am looking to some other human being to be my higher power. And if I tell them all the crap about me, they could just get in there and somehow fix me up because I think they're my higher power. This was the old idea that I needed to let go of absolutely. And um, for me, the hardest thing, the two hardest things for me, number one, to see what's right about me, to really own that, gee, I do have some gifts. Yeah, there are things that are good about me. And the second hardest thing, which is in the 11th step, is to relax and take it easy. Because for some level, I think everything is up to me. So actually, maybe I'm one of the few people I've overdone the program. 
because I keep thinking if I work it harder, if I do this better, somehow I'm thinking I'm going to get rid of the character defects. That does not work. So all I want to share is just that today, to the best of my ability, I not only want to tell people what's wrong with me, but I really want to own deep within myself what's right with me. Because I think that's God's plan for me, not to just keep seeing myself as a piece of junk, because that's a lie. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sandy. And that brings us to the end of our meeting. I want to thank everyone who shared and uh, thank our readers of the text and the 12 steps. Janice M. Excuse me. Janice M. And Tenzin P. And Annie V. And excuse me. So um, I also want to give you um, today's share ID. And today's share ID is 11,534. That's 11534. And there's someone unmuted. If you could all press star 1 to mute your phones. Thank you so much. And thank you again for everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And we will close now with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Pray death, will you read a book is meant to be suggestive only? Hi, this is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come, <clears throat> great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.